Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. Bharati Jagdish and Timothy Go with you. Six trillion U.S. dollars. That was the cost of cybercrime last year. Now, if it were measured as countries, then that would amount to be the world's third largest economy after the U.S. and China. According to Cybersecurity Ventures, it expects global cybercrime costs to grow by 15% per year over the next five years, hitting 10.5 trillion U.S. dollars annually by 2025. That's up from 3 trillion U.S. dollars in 2015. It's a blizzard of numbers, isn't it? <laughs> Scary numbers at that. As the breaches continue to grow, though, the soaring costs not only cuts into company's bottom line, but it also hurts the rest of us. The latest cost of data breach report commissioned by IBM Security found that 60% of companies say they've increased prices because of data breaches. Mm. So think about all the things you are paying for unknowingly. To share more insights, we're joined now by Tim Wellsmore, Director of Falcon Complete APJ at CrowdStrike. Hi, Tim. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Tim, I know that billionaire businessman and philanthropist Warren Buffett called cybercrime the number one problem with mankind. And we know that cyber attacks are a bigger threat to humanity. Today, some say more than even nuclear weapons are. And a cyber attack could potentially disable the economy of a city, state, the entire country. What exactly is the cost, both in terms of attacks against government entities and the way that they manage security, the economy and privacy as well? Yeah, the cost of cyber attacks to governments and the way they govern is actually greater than most people can imagine. Um, it's easy to highlight, and you've, you've already pulled out some really um, interesting data points, uh, the, the actual financial costs of these attacks, you know, whether it's to organisations, to governments. You know, we, we get large ransomware attacks. We're seeing payments of several million dollars by organisations just to be able to get access to their own systems back. And for flow-on effects from those is about, you know, losses in productivity uh, and remediation costs. But when you start to then look into it, you know, you see those large numbers that you've mentioned, but it's actually the hidden costs as well. It's, it's not only just about the, the, the financial figures that are significant. I think you mentioned the third largest nation, if it was a, the $6 trillion mark. But to me, it's, it's actually those hidden costs when you start to look at the critical infrastructure. We're starting to see people lose faith in their ability to get access to hospital services. I know here in Australia we had um, a lot of uh, hospital outages um, due to cyber attacks and we're seeing those um, in other critical infrastructure issues around the world. We saw a colonial pipeline attack which created an energy crisis in the US where gas prices or petrol prices went you know, went through the roof and mm. people were, were hoarding petrol to try and prevent their ability to actually do to go about and do their business and to just to live their lives. So the costs is significant for governments because people are actually losing faith in, in their ability to manage critical infrastructure um, and it's actually becoming a fundamental mental cancer on, on the nations that we live in now. So, Tim, who should be responsible for this, though? From a business perspective, have businesses adapted enough to the rise in cybercrime? Are they taking this very seriously? Look, well, some are doing well in, in the face of these modern cyber threat attacks. Others still have a long way to go. Far too many businesses seriously still wait until they have had a uh, cyber attack before they start to take this, in, this seriously. And that's such a big shame because we, we know in, in the modern world that we live in, the technology that we have in our houses every day is that these attacks are inevitable. The attackers are outnumbering us every day. So we just don't see um, people taking enough attention still. And I've been in this industry for over 20 years. I'm still surprised 
surprised and disappointed to see that people aren't adapting to the rise in cybercrime that we're seeing. Mm, but the those, fact but is that are... in Singapore, there have been several studies that have shown that businesses here tend to prioritise recovery rather than prevention. Why do you think this is so? Why do businesses still have this attitude towards a very real threat that is costing them money and costing their customers money as well? I think it's just because they think it's they probably think it's too difficult and and they're not understanding the problem. This is a complex space when when you're in the industry like it, but it, there are simple solutions and there are security partners out there that they need to work with and I think that they've they've realized it requires a certain level of expertise that expertise and the skill shortages that we see in in countries right around the world um, in the cyber security space. It's just making this a problem that's too difficult and they only wait for the recovery um, when that incident occurs. I think a, a proactive approach by organisations that are looking at you know, modern, effective, you know, end-to-end, single-platform single solutions are really becoming effective and that's reducing the cost to their, to their customers. But unfortunately, we just don't see enough of those organisations and we, we see those ones that you mentioned where, where they wait for the incident, they focus on remediation and then get back to business. So let's turn this around and talk about what consumers are unknowingly paying for. Yeah, look, consumers have been, unfortunately, for the past, I'd say, 15 to 20 years, have been paying far too much. A lot of those price rises, and you've already mentioned some of those statistics, are due to the cost of these cyber attacks. There's no doubt that cybercrime impacts businesses right across the globe, and businesses are continuing to deal with the very real threat of cyber attacks on a regular basis. I like to look at banks, and you think of banks, and they're all reporting pretty healthy profits. Um, and I'm not just targeting banks, because, but I'm using them as an example, because most people are, are generally paying a mortgage with interest rates. And you look at the, how these banks are still talking about, you know, quite record profits. I know in Australia or Singapore with OCBC, they've, got, they've had some good profit upgrades lately. Is it, you wonder how much of those costs um, are they passing on to consumers? You mentioned 60% of organisations are passing on costs due to data breaches. Mm. You know, how long have we been paying for these, for these fees? And I think uh, being in this industry, I know we've been paying far too long. But it's not just the banks as well, as I said. Um, organisations uh, who are being impacted by these cyber threats paying big ransoms or losing efficiency in their business, uh, lose productivity. We all know who, who wears that, and it's certainly the businesses will pass that on to the consumer whenever they can. Mm. But it's, it's not just the financial costs as well. Mm. You, you've, you've got to look at the hidden costs. You know, the loss of services that are available to some of these, to, to us as consumers, is really concerning. And, and to me, that's, that's the big thing that, that people aren't aware of. Here's the thing, Tim. I believe banks do invest in cybersecurity, except the criminals are always one step ahead. And one would think that, you know, this is to be expected and people should be ready for it. Is there a way to be ready for it? Look, there is. There is. Um, I spent a long time in government. I spent over 20, 20 years in government, as I mentioned. And, and you think that this is an asymmetric battle between the adversary and the poor victims that are out there. But the cybersecurity industry, especially where I am at CrowdStrike, you know, you've got to innovate. You've got to be prepared to be, to be able to take the fight to the adversary. There are solutions out there that are effective, but you need to work and you need to understand the space you're in. You need to work with a security partner that you can trust. Um, and, and there are effective solutions out there, but we are seeing a lot more companies these days that are now starting to leverage organisations such as ours to, to actually outsource a lot of the burden because this takes a lot of expensive expertise. It takes nation-state-grade intelligence now, equivalent to governments when they're, when they're heading into to war zones to understand their adversary. You need those, that type of intelligence capability to really understand the cyber adversary. Mm. And then we use that as well as the experts 
and a pretty impressive platform that's that's innovated, um, very innovative to try and actually solve the problems. And we are being effective in stopping breaches, but it's this is not a simple thing. We do see organisations spend far too much of their time hoping, re- resting all of their hopes on old legacy systems because they understand them uh, and they d- they're not adapting to the modern environment. Mm. And unfortunately, they're the ones that are impacted. Of course, a lot of uh, companies say that, you know, we manage to prevent attacks 99% of the time. But the one time we get attacked, it gets all this publicity because so many people get affected. So you said that some of them are actually unwilling to even invest. Some companies in general are unwilling to even invest in cybersecurity because they think it's too difficult. But you've also said that there are simple solutions out there. How do you make a business case for these individuals, for companies to actually find out more and to be willing to pay a price for those not so difficult solutions? I think the first point I would make would be that those companies um, that that aren't willing to invest or, or don't take this seriously, they just need to understand and be shown some situations where organisations like theirs um, and there will be plenty, um, have been impacted and, uh, and to hear those first, first-hand stories. It's unfortunate that we hear far too many of those stories um, when we turn up to try and solve some of the problems that, that the cyber attacks have occurred. But that's becoming less and less now where, we, where we're hearing people who are just flatly refusing to, to understand the problem. But it's about understanding, you know, what that this is actually a new partnership for their business to be successful for the rest of the future. We, we cannot see, at this stage, we cannot see a future where cyber attacks will not be a pr- predominant risk um, feature for, for any CEOs or any business owners or any governments as well. So this is there's a long way to go. All right. So if you had to give companies who are not paying much attention to this problem right now some advice on how to get started quickly and how to put in place systems that will actually work against a whole bunch of cyber criminals who could be way smarter than you, what would that be? How to get started and how to keep it going? Because I believe this also involves every employee in an organization and it also involves your customers. Everyone needs to be educated on this and needs to be practicing cyber hygiene. You're absolutely right. The first thing I'd give the advice, the first piece of advice I'd say is this is not a fight that you can win on your own. Attackers will outnumber you and outsmart you and you absolutely need to work with a security partner that you really trust, someone that's shown that they're effective in this space. And I'm not just saying that because I now work in one of those organisations. I'm mm. saying that because it's because that the, the industry has changed so much and the attackers are continuing to evolve and are finding holes, continuing to find holes in in software packages that people have trusted for years and years. And for the approach to take now is that you need to work with a security partner because they have the tools necessary, like that nation's state-grade intelligence, like I said. The experts, if you walk out there and try and hire a cybersecurity expert today, you'll struggle because, you know, organisations such as ours, you know, we focus on making sure we're hiring the best of the best to come and take the fight to the attackers on behalf of those customers of ours. So for us then, when you focus in on that, is that you want them to understand is that once you realise you need a security partner, you can trust. You are then need to focus in on where are your risks? What's the risks to your organisation? And each organisation is different. We divide a lot of organisations into different sectors to understand, you know, thematic areas of, of, of risk that we see um, for their organisations. But we, we do see that enterprise risk coalesces around three main areas. It's about those individual systems. And we see a lot of people now working from home because of the because of the pandemic. So, you know, the, the landscape's changed. It's also about the data of the organisation. Why is it valuable to the attackers out there? 
is it attack is it important to, to a nation state like China that would launch an attack to try and actually leverage that information for political, economic or military gain? And then not only about the data you can be used for, for cybercrime for financial and monetization of your environment, but it's also the identity, the identities of your individuals and, and how are they accessing your systems. And then once you understand that that's where your risk sits, the thing you need to do then is you need to then go out and understand and, and work with your security partner to understand who the attackers are. Why would my organisation be attacked? Why would, they, why would they want to attack me? And a lot of organisations and a lot of the C-suites and boardrooms that I've, I've spoken to are astounded that their data that they thought was valuable for them to run their business was so valuable to other people to exploit for financial gain or, as I said, for nation states for intelligence. Um, so once you, they start to understand their adversary and then they know that the environment that they're operating in, it's actually quite now a combative environment. For people to run their businesses today, never before in the history of mankind have you had so many people that are trying to take down that business. You may have a competitor down the road that does a similar industry to you, but now you've got a, a world of, of, of cyber attackers that are out there trying to bring you to your knees to try and extract as much money as they can out of your organisation. Once you understand your organisation, you really then need to understand what, what are the things that make it work? What, what are the workflows? What is the data? How does it move? And what's valuable to your organisation? And once you understand that, then you can work with your security partner to try and protect it. Thanks very much for that, Tim. Tim Wellsmore, Director of Falcon Complete, APJ, at CrowdStrike. Thanks for joining us today. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm 893 SG or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.